stars of animation are shining. It's time to stay tuned. And now, here's your host, Phil Mackey. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Stay Tuned, the show that brings you behind the scenes of animated films. Tonight's special guest is Greg Berger. While he has voiced dozens of cartoons since the 1970s, Greg Berger is also responsible for some of animation's most memorable characters, from Grimlock in the original Transformers series to Odie the Dog on Garfield and Friends. Greg Berger has an acting range to which few others can compare. His resume reads like a who's who in cartoons. G.I. Joe, Batman Beyond, The Angry Beavers, Rugrats, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, Star Wars The Clone Wars, the list goes on and on. And he's here to share some of his most iconic voices with us in just a few moments. But first, this. Eeyore, what are you doing? I gotta use my big voice to tell the bees about the new hive. Buzz, buzz, great new hive. Greg Berger, welcome to Stay Tuned. Oh, hold on, let me wipe my feet on the welcome mat. There we go, <laughs> and enter. Yes, welcome in, come on in. <laughs> Oh, this is such a treat for me to have you here because there are numerous roles you've done without me knowing it was you through the years that I just glommed onto and then came to learn over time uh, that it was you. And it's, it's such a treat to have you here. Well, there are numerous roles that I've eaten that you probably don't know about either. I, I've had Kaiser rolls and French rolls. <laughs> but you know what? I am one of the lucky ones. I only go where I'm invited, but over the years, I've been invited to uh, become the voice of some very iconic characters, all of whom have their own fandom. And thanks to the comic convention generation, thanks to the voice chasing generation, I'm enjoying the ability to say thank you to fandom and they're enjoying the ability to say thank you to me. Yeah, I like that. I've never heard that, the voice chasing generation. That's a, that's a good terminology because it really tells us that the audiences are now kind of in charge of what content is becoming, you know, more readily available. Audience approval and embracing fandom in general has a voice at the party. They're part of the ensemble. They've been successful and effective at causing casting decisions to be made in some cases, in causing some shows to outlive what a network or studio might have thought was their logical end. It's quite extraordinary, and it's new, and it's now, and it's still happening. I, what I was referring to, there's actually a concern on the web called Voice Chasers on the Web. There's a website that is behind the voice actors, and they've given a degree of celebrity to the voices behind the characters that We've never enjoyed, at least in, in my career, before this, to this degree. Absolutely. That was a big proponent in why Stay Tuned came into being in general was just an awareness that I had over how we have people creating this culture that we all universally, or at least on a pretty big scale, universally know, but the culture is what everybody knows and not the people responsible unlike on-camera work. 
Well, it's pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. The digital world allows for greatness to come from garages or wherever it comes from now. The more the better, says me. But like early TV, like early any medium, it'll quickly filter out the best from the worst. The cream will rise and some of the best things ever recorded digitally will be recorded because of this podcast phenomenon. Absolutely. Yeah, the podcasting, the craze, it kind of came out of nowhere. I have been doing little things online for years, but it was I didn't get into this because podcasting was having a moment. The timing just kind of lined up. And it's really exciting to be in the thick of it as people are making it part of their their life. Well, I don't even know if this is where the interview was supposed to go. But while they're there, (laughs) this is part of the problem with movie making or production of any kind that starts out trying to peg a demographic and then create a product that they'll buy a ticket to. It's wrong way round. It should happen because of the passion for it to happen. I agree 100%. And here's a good way to tie it into my original questions for you, because Transformers is one of those products where they created a cartoon to sell toys. And initially it wasn't, um, let's make art for art's sake. It's turned into that, I think, more so, but it, it didn't start that way. And you, of course, voiced numerous characters on Transformers, specifically one of my favorite characters because I'm a dinosaur nut. (laughs) We've got Grimlock, who's a robotic Tyrannosaurus Rex. Well, let me start out by showing off a little bit. Me Grimlock, me Dinobot leader. Slag and sludge do what Grimlock say. (laughs) And I'm also Long Haul, who just continues to complain, remove, remove, remove. I didn't join his outfit to be no dump truck. Of course, I'm part of Devastator, and that's pretty cool. And also Skyfire, who was a conflicted Transformer, created Decepticon lost in the ice and discovered Autobot. So he's got moral things to consider. Uh, For a while, I was Outback, who was always off to the Outback, the brown Transformer. (laughs) My involvement with the franchise has been hopefully a win-win. I love me some Grimlock. I want to say and believe and beat my chest that I've been very good for Grimlock and Grimlock has been very good for me. Excellent. What challenges are presented when you're revisiting a role like that years later? First and foremost, when you're fortunate enough to be asked to revisit a character years later, it's often because fandom has demanded it or studio execs used to be uh, fans and, and they have their likes and dislikes and wants. But from an artist's standpoint, it's such an incredible, flattering, empowering thing to be asked to do that you want to give your heart and soul to it in ways that you may not have been able to. You can't see into the future. You can't see around the next corner. But when something is created, then embraced, then held close, then have this incredible, loving, loyal fandom want to see you again and again and again because they've tied and branded the name of the actor to the sound of of the character. It's the greatest thing in the world. You know, it's better than the joy of getting a job in the first place because Mm -hmm. it means you did something that resonated, that had a life beyond its original life. And I've been back as recently as this year in Power of the Primes as Grimlock and also as Volcanicus, the first Dinobot combiner, which people have only been begging for 
since the 80s. Well, there's uh, that. There's the power of the audience again. Now we're back to that concept. Absolutely true. You can't divorce that from the equation. Exactly. Skip ahead, would you? We don't have a lot of time. Now everything crazy everywhere. Everyone's scared. Everyone thinks world ending. Everyone fight everyone. Me, Grimlock, know about you, Megatron. Me think this your fault. What do you think it is about this particular series that's kept it alive for so long? You know, similar to the Ninja Turtles getting constantly reinvented. Well, I'm gonna. I would go back on that answer to the original recording sessions and the original director, Wally Burr, who was a firm but fair but firm taskmaster in the booth. He had the Bible. He knew where it all went. He knew how to create intensity that was of galactic levels then. Despite some complaining in the booth that we were, look, it's not heavy lifting, but we were being overtaxed and had to do things. He knew what he wanted, and he got it. So if you've got someone at the helm with vision, it's not until sometimes years, and in our case, decades later, that you realize whatever it is he was seeking, he got. And whatever created that sort of X-factor connection to an audience, I have to attribute to all of the original effort that went in. I'm not saying there's not great product that doesn't resonate for reasons that no one can understand. Right. And by the same token, inferior stuff that does resonate and gets through. That's the part of it where if you don't want to play, just stop playing. But if you want to play, the rules are really tricky because being great sometimes doesn't get remembered. Hopefully it does. The goal is to exceed expectation every step of the way. I love that. That mantra is something that I hold very personally myself. Just try to do your best as as, even when you don't think anyone's looking, because if you're signing your name to it, you know, you don't want to be embarrassed later. Couldn't agree more. You've worked with the great Dawes Butler and June Foray and Mel Blanc. What additional inspiration or words of wisdom did you garner from them beyond just being a fan of their acting, like when you got to work with them? Well, I'm going to go even further back than that to when I was touring nationally in a Neil Simon play with two veterans of the Yiddish Theater, Second Avenue Theater in New York. Oh, wow. One from the Adler family and the other one from another famous Broadway family. But they were seniors, and they were a little uh, dialecty in the way they spoke, but that made everything more delicious. And I was <laughs> told after a performance, he said, Greg, he said, what you did tonight, we say in the Yiddish theater, you couldn't go further with it. <laughs> in other words, you couldn't go further with sure, it. Sure, sure. No, I've... He said, because, because where we come from, if you could go further with it, why didn't you? Oh. <laughs> that's excellent. So that, that was high, high flattery indeed. That's Once good. Once into the world of animation, the animators, when I did Duckman and Ah Real Monsters at Klasky Chupo, the studio, and now Cartoon Network, the studios were set up so that in order to get to the voice record booth, you had to sort of wind your way through all the animators and writers just to create a sense of community. Whether it was conscious or unconscious, it still did that for me. But I'm telling you that in the animated world, every animator will thank you for not being able to go further with it. It's the only place in Hollywood where the more you give them, the more they have to work with. 
on film, the less you give them, the truer it rings. Mm -hmm. So Hollywood is the land of less, less, less in movie acting and more, more, more in animation voicing. That's excellent. Yeah, I I agree 100%. And it's so evident when in animation, the two don't match up. You know, when you have a drawing that just is over the top and the voice is sort of a celebrity doing their voice versus somebody who's really giving it everything. And then sometimes the art doesn't match up. It's one of those things where when they when the two of them hit their stride, it becomes magic. That's the goal. Yeah. And it's a collaborative art. If you don't respect right. the artists and if you don't respect the writers and if the artists and writers don't respect your third dimension contribution as a voice, it's going to be a bumpy road. But when everybody gets the same joke, when everybody's on the same ripple of the same pond, it's magic in the doing of it. The sessions are magic. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great to hear. I'm glad you find this so amusing. Perhaps you and your classmates can enjoy a real laugh riot while you're sitting in your rooms tonight! In, yeah. You mentioned Real Monsters, which I'm going to come back to because that's my personal favorite Greg Berger stuff. Yes. Well, I don't blame you. As the Gromble, their teacher, I'm so flattered to hear you say that. Now get in your seat, open your monster book, and turn to the right page. <laughs> See, that, and that's why I love him is because his vocal range is just incredible. What was the process like for finding his voice? Because that is just, that is not a one note character at all. I thought if it's possible, well, first of all, they sort of nursed me through the reading and the drawings. And at Klesky Chupo, which is kind of a, it was and is a boutique artist's artist place to be. Just very bohemian, very eclectic and very helpful on on all fronts. Well, I want to say that I'm bohemian and eclectic and it was kind of a fantastic marriage. But I always felt like I understood what they were going for and they wanted highs and lows and middles and him to sort of be his own symphony if you're thinking musically. Mellifluous. (laughs) Plus, built into the breakdown of the character was this anger management problem where he could barely keep a lid on things. When he did, he did it really overly politely and then he would just lose it well it gives you a sense that he was really unhinged you know and could oh my god there's there's so much scenery to chew yes the whole show had this beautiful eastern european folk art kind of look to it i think it acted as a template for a lot of animation that has followed it sure it just it had a look that at the time that it came on didn't look like anything no and even though Klasky Chupo's their their general style even though it seems that you could look across all of Klasky Chupo and understand that that's the same studio that show in particular they hit something a little bit different well I'm gonna say yes and uh, that's the way my ear is musically I like when I know it's the same band but the portfolio is unbelievably diverse that's perfect yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. And, and you know, ultimately, the Grumble was just looking out for his students, which I think was such a, a treat that they slowly revealed that over time. It wasn't just, he wasn't just angry. He actually really did kind of uh, want the best for them. Yes, and thank you for noticing that. I really appreciate it. It won't help your grade! <laughs> I, I love that. I've got this fantasy that Tim Burton will, will make a stop-motion Real Monsters feature. Oh. Wouldn't that be great? Your mouth. That would be heaven. Would you come back if uh, he did that? 
let's think about it. Let's really, really think. Of course. Should I? Shouldn't I? Would I? Wouldn't? Of course I would. Yeah. In about a New York minute. More with Greg Berger after this. Don't be afraid. I'm here to help. I am Mysterio, and I am putting Spider-Man on notice. There's no place you'll be able to hide, and nowhere you can run. As far as I'm concerned, you're just another creep in a costume. What can you do? I was hoping you'd ask. <laughs> you know, I've always been a DC Comics guy, but the 90s Spider-Man still holds a, a special place in my heart. That series I thought was pretty great for what it was. And I didn't know this until recently. You played Mysterio in that series. Well, uh, Quentin Beck, Mysterio, master of special effects and treachery. <laughs> I'm so happy with what I was allowed to do with that. And in the same series, I was Craven, the hunter. Oh. So I was trying to mount Spider-Man on the wall as my trophy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a strange, Craven's a strange character, is he not? <laughs> well, he's so bizarre. And you said Unhinged before, and all three of those that we just covered could go off at any moment. And I want to think that versatility-wise, I get special consideration for roles that are kind of all over the map and require an awful lot of quick changes. Yeah, you had a, I, the Grumble's got a little bit of that uh, Jack Nicholson from The Shining kind of a. <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> oh, nice. You see, I'm not unique. I'm not special. I don't even have a coffee mug with my name on it. It's the dream again, Duckman. You're letting it win. I know. I used to have a recurring dream. I'd dream I fell and hit my head on a fishbowl, hurt myself just bad enough to work graveyard shift at a convenience store. A group of Hare Krishnas always came in at 4 a.m. and bought 16 gallons of Mr. Slushy and a package of banana-flavored ding-dongs. Then the Swedish bikini team jumped out of a magazine and read Moby Dick to me inside a giant carton of cottage cheese. Why, I'd ask myself. What could it mean? Am I mad? Or is the world simply a mystery too complex to understand? Mm-hmm. Um, getting back to me! So we gotta talk about Duckman. Uh, one of the most edgy and I think underappreciated cartoons of its time. And you played uh, Cornfed, who was like a Joe Friday good cop to uh, Jason Alexander's horrible cop. <laughs> how did how did Cornfed help you grow as an actor? Well, somebody had to take care of the duck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Everything helps me grow as an actor. Even on the drawing, when I first went in and met with them. It said just the facts, ma'am, above the above the brim of his hat. So uh, as somebody who watched too many dragnets growing up to, uh, oh, to, be sure. able to do a little film noir kind of homage toward Jack Webb, not to, but to be allowed to have a relationship uh, that is so bizarre and protective and kind of brotherly and paternal where Cornfed takes care of Duckman, who can't do anything seemingly right, and to be able to do a buddy comedy like Hope and Crosby with me and Jason Alexander with Tim Curry coming in as the bad guy, King Chicken, and Nancy Travis all over uh, Bernice. And uh, it, it was just. Yeah, absolutely. And Dweezil Zappa as Ajax and Pat Music as originally Dana Hill, then Pat Music as uh, the two twins. It, it just, it was heaven. It was heaven to show up. There's actually a story attached to it, though, because during the first season of recording for Duckman, I was also cast 
as Yuri Talinsky from Russian police in Police Academy Mission to Moscow. Oh, well, I spent four months of Russian winter in and around Moscow filming that comedy in the midst of some strange political times. And in the meanwhile, Duckman was in its first season of recording. They sent me with very high quality digital audio recorder and they would call me in my hotel room and direct me by phone and I would record onto the digital audio tape and have it sent back with the film pack where a courier would take it back to Klasky Chupo and, and they would cut the audio tracks into the show. So those of us who are voiceover people and on-camera actors can be two places at one time. <laughs> uh, I did get back in time to do ADR, which is automated dialogue replacement. They were able to record it in the same studio where the show is normally done. So I recorded to myself, but wow, what an opportunity. And you did you did the recording sessions with the actors that you mentioned, or did you guys record separately? Whenever possible, together, occasionally separately, sometimes at midnight on a Sunday because Jason's schedule was so busy, uh, just whatever, whatever works. But obviously, when it's a comedy that's dependent on the two buddies, it works better when you're in the same place at the same time. Oh, yeah. They, were, did, able, yeah. they were able to do it isolated as well. Uh, the buddy cop relationship you had between those two was really palpable through through the screen. Phenomenal. And they did send-ups of early Paramount shows, and they did a film noir episode, and they did some musical episodes where we sing harmonies, and it, it, it just was joyous absolutely joyous and why that hasn't found its way to adult swim is beyond me oh my gosh i think it's still edgy still yeah. hilariously funny it is yeah and still so watchable i recently went back and watched the whole series in order and it just i was surprised at the stuff that they got away with and how much of it still is ringing true today uh absolutely and i thought the targets of the show were too topical to really last, but there's never not someone guilty of the same hypocrisies <laughs> or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever they were doing send-ups of. When you watch it now, you you attach entirely different people to the target of the episode. It's it's actually, I realize over time it's more thematic. It's just sort of like deadly sins that somebody's usually guilty of. Yes, that's that's true. So, I mean, it's sad a little bit that, we, that we're always going to have that, but at the same time, it, it's what keeps it relevant. Uh, apparently, yeah, no, there's some things you can change in this world and some things that just keep going around. That's right. Since we're talking about corn fed, I, uh, and I do love that character so much. I sent you a little bit of a, a cold reading. I like to do this with my voice actor guests. This is a small section from Animal Farm, the George Orwell classic book. And uh, it is from Squealer, who is who is the very vocal pig that speaks on, be on behalf of Napoleon. <laughs> I thought maybe awesome. if you read this as corn fed, it might be a really bizarre juxtaposition of pigs. Well, I'm not a pig, but I play two of them on TV. I can read it once as corn fed and once as Orson Pig from the Garfield show. I didn't. Oh, I, I completely didn't even realize you were Orson from from Wait. you. Afraid of everything made. I've never seen anything like it. Sure, it's my farm. Oh my gosh, that's that's great. That's uh, oh no, my brothers are coming. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh from U.S. Acres. That's great. Oh my gosh. Well, feel free to do. There's another show I wish we could do more of. Yeah, that that didn't get a lot of love, did it? <laughs> 
it, it got love. It was it was the and friends, but I really I always thought it could stand totally on its own. Oh, absolutely. Yes. My gosh. Well, feel free to do it either way. That's fine. <laughs> I'll give you both. Okay, this is colder than cold. Comrades, you do not imagine that we pigs are doing this in a spirit of selfishness and privilege. Many of us actually dislike milk and apples. I dislike them myself. Our sole objective in taking these things is to preserve our health. Milk and apples, this has been proved by science, comrades, contain substances absolutely necessary to the well-being of a pig. We pigs are brain workers. The whole management and organization of this farm depends on us. Day and night, we are watching over your welfare. And you too, Wade Duck. <laughs> and scene. You never heard of us because we're your best kept secret, Dick. That's an undocumented Mercurian sporting non-department issue concealment. Nothing is what it seems. I got it. So Men in Black International hit theaters not long ago. And in the animated series, you played Agent K. How much of your portrayal in that series was based on the comic books or on Tommy Lee Jones specifically? Well, I'm going to say it was a combination of both. Shoot him, Jesus, Cerebro, Feck, Lord, the brains are in their bottoms, you know where to aim. So I definitely uh, it, it was asked to give a tip of the hat toward that Agent K. By the same token, I would like to think I made it my own. Again, it's a buddy cop comedy, and the relationship and the chemistry between Agent K and Agent J determines whether that whether that show works or doesn't work. And we were phenomenal together. I, I love doing that. But I'm also going to absolutely bow to the writers of that show. It was very well written. And a lot of those 22-minute episodes could have expanded to 90 minutes. They were really juicy, meaty, and very true to the comic books, to the franchise, and to the films. Yeah, that is another show that I feel like it's almost like a sleeper show. It was so, I mean, it got four seasons, but still, it's one of those things where it's so good, but it's not really remembered too widely. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it. Yes, <laughs> Men in Black definitely could get a revival. I, I'm 100% on agreement with you on that. That is one of those properties that seems to have a lot of wiggle room in the depiction. Because I'm excited about the new one. I think it's going to be really good. It's great to hear that you're you know, a, fa a fan of the worlds in general. I think that's nice when... I am a fan of the worlds in general. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, it's been, I mean, really, it's been such a, a pleasure having you here. I love how generous you are. I often get concerned when speaking with voice actors that they're going to feel like they're, you know, being asked to perform like a trained animal. And I never, I never want that to be the, uh, the impression. Look, that's the joy of it. And if you perceive it as work, it's work. My my whole worldview is that through some quirk of nature, I've been allowed to be paid to play, you know? Yeah. Uh, I still haven't decided what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> well, don't grow up. On behalf of all of us audience members out there, <laughs> don't grow up. I thank you for your interest, and I thank you for the interview. And I'm happy whenever I bump into you at conventions here and there. I know you're you're in the world doing doing service. Oh, thank you, Greg. That means a lot to me. And since this sounds like a formal goodbye, hold on, let me pick up my petticoat so I can curtsy properly. <laughs> yes, thank you. This is a formal goodbye. And uh, well, until the next convention, I'll see you then. Yeah, and I apologize for my hairy legs and big calves. <laughs> hey, I wasn't going to say anything because I have I have equally uh, <laughs> as hairy of legs. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks. I really appreciate it, Phil. Hey, Talk to you soon. Bye, Greg. Bye.
Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. Special thanks go out once again to Greg Berger for joining us here on the show. And as always, thank you so much for listening in at home. If you like what you heard, go behind the scenes of Stay Tuned by visiting patreon.com forward slash filmaki. Subscribing there will get you access to cool rewards like exclusive interview outtakes, my cartoon reviews, and monthly video updates. If you like comics, check out my original comic books at RetailSunshine.com. And be sure to say hi to me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handles of both Retail Sunshine and Phil Maki. Don't forget to visit the ever-growing Stay Tuned community on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Stay Tuners. I've been Phil Maki, you've been a wonderful audience, and until next time, keep those eyeballs peeled, those ears open, and be sure to stay tuned. Stay tuned.